0: Welcome to Life Source Church. We are so glad you found us. We hope that you will experience God with us as you hear the preaching of the Word. Why? You know, that's one of the first words, or I, I shouldn't say first, but it's one of the early words that our kids learn, don't they? Somehow or other, it just comes out that at some point you tell them, hey, look, it's time to go do this. And what do they say? Why? It's time to stop that. Why? Well, why is a very important word to, a question to ask because really understanding why begins to tie a lot of stuff together that enables us to figure out life and what we're going to do with it. Well, today we begin a sermon series that's entitled Why. And in it, we're going to look at some major, really big spiritual truths that shape our faith and some very practical truths that will help us to live out our faith. Today we want to deal with the question, how do we make sense of life? How do we make sense of life? You know, if if I invited someone over to my house, and I gave them directions. I wrote directions down for them, very, very practical directions. So, and here's the directions, okay? I wrote it down on a sheet of paper, and I say, all right, what I want you to do is turn right out of your driveway, uh, go up to uh, the first, to the, the next major turn where you have to turn, turn left, go about a half a mile, and then you're going to kind of merge across traffic, and not, it, it's not a very sharp left, and you, you turn onto that road, and you're gonna go maybe two miles, and then eventually you're gonna turn right where you see the guardrail. So turn right at the guardrail, and you go down to the end of that street where you have to turn. Okay? So you turn right there, and and then you go, oh, maybe a half a mile. So what you're going to look for is the third street on the right. Turn right on that street, and we are the fourth house on the left, counting the one on the corner. Okay? Now, so... I write this out and give it to somebody. And then later on, we have uh, an event, and I say, hey, we're going to have a picnic at my house. And we're inviting everybody over. And somebody says, well, I don't know how to get there. And th- this person that I gave these directions to says, oh, I got the directions. And they photocopy those directions and hand it out to everybody. Now, how well is that going to work? It's not going to make any sense, is it? You know, the longer you try to go by these directions, the less sense it's going to make. You know, you'll be trying to figure out, you know, where am I? Where am I going? What's going on? And the destination, when, you finally say, when it says you're there, it's not going to make sense because you're not going to be there. What's the problem? That's right. The starting point. If you don't start in the right place, the directions don't make sense you don't start in the right place, where you end up doesn't make sense. And that's the way it is in life. Because in life, if we don't start from the right place, life doesn't make sense. And so this is why today we're talking about why God. Because when we're talking about starting points, And by the way, the world offers you a lot of starting points. Have you noticed that? The world will offer you and say, hey, you know what? Uh, This, you know, mind power thing and positive thinking or some other psychological technique, that this is the starting point. When you understand this, then everything else is going to make sense, they'll tell you. Or it may be Eastern mysticism with, you know, it's it's special meditation. and, And oftentimes that's dressed up. You know, that's just old religion dressed up with new words and philosophies. Uh, maybe sometimes it's a physical fitness thing if you get certain physical things and how you eat and exercise that that's the starting point for bringing your life into order uh, maybe it's education, science, whatever you know, this, the starting points all, the world offers all these different starting points but the reality is, is those starting points none of them will enable you to really make sense of life and end up where you're really wanting to go and so what we want to see today is that the starting point for us is really the starting point of everything. This is the starting point of the Bible. In Genesis 1.1 it says, in, say it with me if you know it, in the beginning, God. That's the rest of it. All we need is in the beginning, God right now. We're getting to that though. In the beginning, God. God is the starting point for everything. He's the starting point in the Bible. He is the starting point for all creation. And he needs to be the starting point for us if we're going to make sense of life. And so here's what I want you to take away with you today. Whether you take anything else away or not, this is what I want you to take away with you. If you want your life to make sense, start with God. If you want your life to make sense, start with God. Well, how do we do that? How do we start with God? Well, I think one of the things we want to do first is to, and I'll just say it this way, if you want your life to make sense, start by believing that God is the creator of all things. Let's look in Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. And if you're looking for it in the Bible, it's in the pew, which we'd encourage you to follow along. It's on page number, want to guess? One. That's right, page number 1. Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 1, page 1. So, uh, hey, Kelly, let's say this together, okay? And anybody else here? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The Bible is very clear that God is the the source of everything that exists. Uh, John says it like this. He says that that everything that was made, that that Jesus made, and without him, nothing was made that was made. He made it all. Paul says that uh, he created all things. In heaven and earth, both visible and invisible, all things are created by him and for him. He is the creator. And this is important because starting with God as creator is the only thing that will make sense of the facts. It's the only thing. If you wanna make sense of life, you gotta start with God as creator because here's the deal. When we start talking about where did everything come from Right? I mean, we enjoyed this beautiful creation when we we drove here today and got out of the car. It's wonderful. But where did it all come from? All the way out to the end of the universe, down to the smallest thing. Where did it come from? Do you realize that all of the answers that are given really fit into only one of three possibilities? And what I want to do is describe these to you. And we'll do it like a game show. Okay? We're going to have door number one, door number two, and door number three. All right? So when we want to make sense of the world and, and see you know, what fixed the fa- what really fits the facts, door number one over here says this, and, and I'm amazed that anybody holds to this. Door number one, you open it up and it says this. It says that everything came from nothing. Hmm. What is nothing? Oh, nothing is nothing? And what can nothing do? Okay, <laughs> so nothing can't do anything. And, and so, how illogical can we get? But the idea is well, yeah, there was nothing, there was nothing, but then there was a force. No, no, wait a minute. We said what? Nothing. nothing. Okay, well, there was matter and energy. No, nothing. There's a big, big, ba- no, nothing. Picture it like this. Someone just said, said, the idea is picture a chalkboard, a black board, okay, and the the big box drawn on the chalkboard. And and we say, what's inside of that? Nothing. Nothing. Okay, now erase the white line. There's nothing. Now get rid of the chalkboard and everything else. Nothing cannot even begin to explain what exists today. So if you start with that, you're not gonna make sense of life, okay? Door number two says, okay, well, it can't be nothing, everything then came from something, something impersonal, force, you know, energy, matter, whatever, physical stuff, all right? Everything just came from physical stuff. Well, one question that begs right away is where did the physical stuff come from? I'm not even gonna go there, okay? That's what you think. If all we have is, is uh, atoms, electrons, protons, neutrons, you know, in the, but they form the molecules and chemicals, if that is all we have, only the physical, then we have a problem, something we can't explain. Because if all we have is this material stuff, the physical stuff, the chemicals, then let me tell you what's going on right now. What's going on right now is that I am just a complex chemical reaction, a bunch of chemical reactions. And what's happening is i got chemical reactions going on in me. And it's making my muscles, my diaphragm push air and, and my vocal cords buzz. And, and it's causing my muscles to twitch in my face, and, and it's, which is causing you know, the air to be pressurized and creating pressure waves, sound waves that go out. And it's, it's hitting your ears. And they're vibrating and a chemical reaction is going on and, and it goes in and you have a chemical reaction. And all we are is what? Chemical reactions go on, on back and forth and there is no meaning, there is no purpose. If that's true, I am not saying anything meaningful to you right now. And you are not hearing anything that has meaning. Now, you can say that, someone can say that, but it doesn't match what we experience, does it? It doesn't work. It doesn't make sense of life. It doesn't make sense of the fact that I do think meaningful things. I do have real thoughts and concepts and I do communicate with you and and you hear, and we do this back and forth. So door number two cannot possibly explain. It doesn't make sense of things. And that brings us to door number three over here. And door number three is that everything came from something Personal, from someone personal. And, and just so you guys know, I skipped over a fair amount of stuff there. You can move on a couple slides, all right? So it came from er, some, someone personal. In other words, from God. And when we talk about him being the creator of all things, all of a sudden, everything starts to make sense. Because not only did he make a physical creation and all that stuff that we talk about, the mass, the energy, and all of those things, He also created us with a consciousness and awareness, and we can interact with people. You see, when we start with God as the personal creator, as the creator of all things, then all of a sudden it makes sense. A couple of things make sense. One is this, the orderliness in creation. If you, it's an old illustration, but if you wandered out into the woods and you saw on the ground a a finely designed, gears and a working watch would you say well isn't this amazing look what happened by accident would you say that no you would say there had to be some intelligent watch maker well creation is so detailed and complex and works together even down to the smallest things the mathematical relationships the precision that's there all of those things cannot have happened by accident. That took an intelligent being to design all of those things. Another thing that it makes sense of, something I already referred to, is that now we understand that we are conscious beings because a personal God who himself is a conscious being made us and therefore we can interact with one another, we can have relationship, we can communicate ideas back and forth. And and the next thing it also explains is that there is a universal understanding of right and wrong in our world. And by that, I don't mean the details of right and wrong because different cultures disagree. But see, God made man with a conscience. And human beings everywhere start off with a sense that there are things that are right and there are things that are wrong. And if everything is just chemicals, guess what? There is no right. There is no wrong. There is only what is. But that isn't what we experience. The reality is people do have this sense of right and wrong. So it can only be explained by door number three. Nothing, nothing cannot explain it. Something impersonal cannot possibly explain it. Only a personal God can explain what we see and experience in our world. And now, it's... What I want you to see is that God has not been silent about these things. He has put things into the world so we could know that he is the creator. Turn to Romans chapter 1. Page 1294 in the Bible that's in the pew there. Romans chapter 1. We'll start in verse number 18. It says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Now, so understand, He says God is going to judge and he does judge, but there's a judgment coming on this stuff, why? He talks about these men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Now, we're gonna read more in a little bit to help clarify this, but what I want you to see is this. Is when we are talking about God as creator, Our world would have you think that this is purely an intellectual issue. But ultimately, what you believe about God is a heart issue. And the intellect matters. But it is a heart issue. And this is what he says here, that that people push back against this truth. God is creator, but they suppress it. They push it back. They push it back in their own lives, and sometimes people are pushing it back in a whole culture, trying to stop this understanding of who God is. And then verse 19 tells us, he says, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. In other words, just the very way we are, God has shown it to us. When we talk about the fact that we are conscious beings, that we do have uh, thoughts, meaningful thoughts and feelings, that, things that matter, and, and that uh, we can you know, talk about these things together, so, and, and that we have this idea that there's a right and a wrong, all of these things. See, that's, these are ways that God is showing us that there's a creator, okay? Because it's the only thing that makes sense. And then he says this in verse 20, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. And so what he says, in all of creation, the way I have made creation, the very kinds of things we were just talking about up here today, he says, I have made it so clear in creation that people, if they will be open, honest, and look, they conclude that there is indeed a God, that he must be a powerful God, and that he must be a personal God. God has not been silent. He has revealed himself. The book of Psalms says it like this in Psalm 19. Go ahead and put that up there if you would. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. And it continues. Go ahead to the next one. Day after day they continue to speak. Night after night they make him known. They speak without a sound or word. Their voice is never heard. Yet their message is gone throughout the earth, and their words to all the world. See, God has revealed all the time that he is there. People can understand that, and they can respond to God revealing himself to them. So if you want to make sense of life, you have to start with the fact that God is the creator. Nothing else is going to enable you to make sense of life, because it's the only thing That makes sense. Now, once we settle that in our hearts and minds, he's the creator. Well, if he's the creator, what does he know about creation? He knows how it's all put together. He knows how it all works. He knows about us as human beings. He knows how we work and and what's good for us and what's not good for us, all of these things. And so the second thing, if, if, if you want your life to make sense, you need to align yourself with God, who is the creator. Align yourself With him. Now think about this. God is creator. He knows best. That's a pretty simple statement, isn't it? But you know how profound that is when we really let that sink in? God knows best. David in the Psalms put it like this. He says, as for God, his ways are perfect. His ways are perfect. Paul says it, he says that in him, in God, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He knows what's best. And do you understand that when we uh, don't go with his best, that's how pain, problems, disappointments come into our lives? Because we set aside God's best. In fact, all of the biggest things in your life, I would say, the biggest problems that you've ever experienced in life are the result of you or somebody else or you and somebody else not living by what God says is best. God really does know what's best. And God has proven that he acts in our best interests. He has our best interest at heart. He loves us. John three sixteen, right? We know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He loves us. And he loves us even in our mess. We don't have to measure up somehow to be loved. He loves us in our mess. Uh, Paul said, but God demonstrated his love to us in that while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. So he has our best interest at heart. He loves us. God is for us. He is for us. Sometimes people have this mindset of God. He's up there, you know, waiting to whack us. But that's not the God of the Bible. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, page 1330. Once you see that God is for us. Again, page 1330 in the Bible that's in the pew there. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. <clears throat> Let's start in verse number 18. Says this now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Okay, reconciliation. We, we understand what reconciliation is, right? We have two people who aren't getting along. There's a problem between them. And if they reconcile, both people have to make a choice, don't they? To work this out. Maybe to set aside the difference. Find and make a determination. Know what, I want a relationship with you. I'm going to work this out. Okay? And yet you have to deal with that. But it takes two. One person can't reconcile a relationship. Takes two. We'll see. We'll talk about that more in just a moment. So let's continue. This is really what I want you to see. Verse 19. He was talking about the fact that God is for us. He says, that is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word or the message of reconciliation for us to share with others. But God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. And he says he's not imputing our sins, he's not holding our sins against us anymore. Now think about this, what this just told us is that God has done everything that needs to be done on his side of reconciliation. Jesus died on the cross paying that penalty for every sin that we have ever committed or ever will commit. He has paid the penalty so that we don't have to if we'll receive his gift. But we don't have to. God has, has, has done it. He says, I'm ready. I'm willing. I've done everything that needs to be done. There's only one obstacle. And that obstacle is us. And hopefully we, we remove that obstacle when we finally come to Christ and say, I have sinned against you. I do need a Savior, I do need forgiveness. And, and then we can be reconciled with God. But you see how God is for us? Did He wait for us to get it right? Did He set, give a set of rules say, do these and then? No, He already did it. He already did everything that needs to be done on His half, His side of this, for us to be reconciled with Him. Now... He did this on the cross. And what I want to do is just take a little bit of time here today and, and talk about what does the cross teach us about God? What does it teach us about God? Well, the first thing I would say it teaches this, and we're only going to probably look at two big things. The first thing it teaches is this, is that God hates sin. God hates sin. We know this because of what Jesus had to do to deal with it. But he hates sin. He hates sin because it damages us. He hates sin because it turns us away from God's best for us in our lives. He hates sin. And if we we die without dealing with the sin problem, it separates us from him forever in hell. He hates sin. And he's proven his hatred for sin by what Christ had to endure on the cross because of our sin, because of my sin and your sin. He absolutely hates sin. Now, have I said that clearly enough? He absolutely hates sin, but he, just as true, he absolutely loves and pursues sinners. He absolutely loves and pursues sinners. Jeremiah 31.3 says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. With unfailing love, I have drawn you to myself, God says. He has pursued us by sending his own son to die on the cross for us, paying that penalty for our sins. Let me ask you, how much more does he have to do to prove his love for us? What else could he do to prove it? Now, you may be here today and saying, okay, I hear what you're saying, I understand the words. what I want to know is then where was God when that terrible thing came into my life if he loves me where was he when that person hurt me so badly whether as a child or as an adult or whatever where was he if he loves me that's a really good question it's a tough question And to be honest with you today, and I always try to be honest with you, but to be honest with you, I don't have a really good detailed answer to give you to that question. But I do know some things that are true, that if you can take them to heart, you will start to, it'll help you to begin to process where you're at in life and what's going on. And so here, let's consider these truths. The first truth is this, is that God gave man the freedom to choose. From the very beginning of the Garden of Eden, he gave Adam and Eve the, the, the freedom to choose, to make a choice. He didn't make robots. God did not make robots that were just machines. If we were doing that, we go back to the, the, everything came from something immaterial, right? We're just little machines. But we're not. He made us in his likeness, and he gave us the ability to choose whether we're going to do right or wrong. Now, by giving us the ability to choose, that inevitably means that some people choose. Well, actually, at some point, we all choose wrong, don't we? But when people are allowed to choose, sometimes people choose really bad things, really evil things. that end up hurting other people in really bad ways. And this is because God did not make robots. It's because God gave us the freedom to choose. And I think if we're honest, all of us would say, we are really glad that we get to choose. I I mean, do you feel that way? I feel that way. I, I feel glad that I have the freedom to choose. But that inevitably means that some people choose wrong. And sin always hurts people. Hurts the person who sins and it hurts the people around them. But here's the thing. God has earned the right to speak into this issue in your life. Because God himself, the son of God, left heaven and entered into our sin-cursed, sin-darkened world. He came down here and became one of us that he might reach us and that he might Redeem us. He came down here and experienced what it's like in a sin cursed world. He experienced the temptations that came against him. And through it all, being fully human, experiencing, but also fully God, never sinning, he never did anything wrong. And then he went to the cross. And as he hung on the cross this man who and who was also God but who who had never done one single thing wrong was punished and hurt for the sins of other people for my sins for your sins holy innocent undeserving of any of it He didn't deserve the pain that was inflicted upon him. He understands this this blunt trauma of sin and this guilt and and the hurt that it brings. But if anybody never deserved it, he didn't deserve it. He knows what it's like to be hurt by the sins of others, more than any of us. And the depth of this hurt, think about this, the depth of this hurt, so much so that at one point on the cross, he cries out to his father, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And heaven was silent. We know why. And I think he knew why. But somehow, God, who is is one and has always been one, Father, Son, we don't quite understand how this works, but somehow or rather, that oneness was, was torn in such a way that he felt like he had been forsaken. And forsaken, not because of anything he had done, but because other people's sins. So he's been there. Have you been hurt by other people's sins? It's terrible and it's hard. But I want you to know is that Jesus understands. He knows. And that's why he says to us in the book of Hebrews, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I've been there. I will never let that happen to you. And so that even with terrible things that may have happened in your life God has not forsaken you he's not walked away from you and he's earned the right to speak into your life on these things you see it only makes sense to align ourselves with God not only for logical reasons but because of these kinds of reasons I just talked about then it brings us to the third one Final one. Not only do we believe he's the creator and that we need to align ourselves with him, but he, if you want to make sense of your life, put God first. Put God first. And this brings us right back to where we started from, doesn't it? In the beginning, God. Put Him first. What I want to challenge you to do today is to say, okay, I want to start somehow with living out this truth that in the beginning, God, I want to live out this truth in my life. So that means I'm going to make sure that I put God first by putting Him at the beginning of my day. The beginning of my day. I'm going to stop and open up His Word or I'm going to talk with Him or a combination, whatever. I'm going to put Him first at the beginning of my day. Also, I'm going to put him first at the beginning of my decisions. When I have decisions to make, okay, wait a minute. This is, this decision is about God and it comes from you, God. I want to put that first. God, I want to put you first. I'm going to put you first in the beginning of all of my relationships. God, I'm going to put you first at the beginning of all my conversations. I'm going to put you in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God, in, in all of my thought life, I want to keep you there at the forefront. In the beginning, God, in my heart, in the beginning, from the very beginning, always, all the time, you first. And God, I want you to put in, be in the beginning of and fill in the blank. If you want your life to make sense, and it'll really start to come together and make sense when you start putting God first in everything. So why God? (laughs) Why God? Why is this so important? Because you know there are religious people who name the name of Christ and Christians who don't really care whether God exists or not. The reason God is because, and this is what we want you to, to go away with, if you want your life to make sense, start with God. Start with God. And you do that by believing he's the creator of all things. You, you do that by aligning your life with him because he knows what's best. And then you do that by putting him first in your life. And so my challenge to you is this. Sort of an assignment for you, I guess. Sometime today, either maybe right after you leave here or, or this afternoon sometime or this evening sometime you go before you go to bed, what I want you to do is stop and say, If I really put God first, if, if I tried to live out this, in the beginning, God, what would be different about my life this week? What would I do that I'm not now doing? What would I do differently that I'm already doing? What would I stop doing that I'm... If I'm really putting in the beginning, God, what would I do differently? Ask God to help you. Figure that out. And then tomorrow when you get up, try to do it. Ask God to help you do it. The next day when you get up, think, in the beginning, God, what's that mean today? And try to do it. And here's my promise to you based on what God says in his word, that if you will do that in the beginning, God, slowly but surely, your life will start to make sense you'll honor God and you'll be glad that you did. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you're there. Thank you that you have not kept silent, that you have indeed presented yourself to us. You presented evidence for yourself to us and it's there if we'll look at it and open ourselves up to it. Thank you that you know what's best for us because you created us and help us to remember that and And to align ourselves with what you say and then even at a a more conscious level put you first in everything. And not just so that our lives will make sense but so that as our lives make sense you get the honor and the glory that is due to you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.